Get fast access to breaking news by signing up now to Black Press Media's free newsletters and stay informed with all the latest news delivered directly to your inbox. You'll have access on any device so you never have to miss out again on the information you need to know. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halaschuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the NFL Report. I'm Aaron Halaschuk, a journalist with Black Press Media. We are back today, officially on the eve of a fresh NFL season with the first games of the 2023 season starting later this week, with the Lions taking on the Chiefs in Kansas City. Today, we are looking ahead at the season, some of our predictions, and of course, some armchair quarterbacking. I'm joined today with Vancouver Island Daily and Parksville Qualicum Beach News editor Philip Wolf to discuss all things NFL. Welcome back to the podcast, Philip. Hi, Aaron. I'm right here in my armchair. Excellent. That's where we both should be. It feels like a really long summer without any NFL football, but this is officially the last week and the last Sunday without football until February of next year. So it is like Christmas in September. So let's jump right into the new season. Preseason is always a little bit tricky to look at teams and some predictions, but what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far in some of the preseason games and maybe some of the top teams and who might be holding the Lombardi trophy in February? I don't see much that I learned from the preseason that I didn't already think heading into it. Many teams barely play their starters at all. Oftentimes you'll see third stringers playing. I still watch because you can't help it, but I don't know that the preseason really tells you much of anything that you didn't know heading in other than injuries. Absolutely. And I know a lot of draft picks, rookies get their first action on some NFL fields. One of them being the former BC Lions quarterback and kind of Canadian native Nathan Rourke took some impressive snaps for Jacksonville, so much so that Patrick Mahomes even tweeted about one of his plays. What were some of your thoughts on how he played down in Jacksonville? I thought he played great. But again, it goes to the notion that you're not necessarily playing against the other starters. You're playing against some vanilla schemes. Yeah, It's also very difficult. One of the unsaid things that happens every preseason is politics, is for an undrafted guy to come in as a free agent from the CFL to earn a spot, even if he plays lights out, which he did, still very far down the pecking order. The one thing that I found interesting was Jacksonville's coach, Doug Peterson, after Rourke was playing so fantastic, he said that there wasn't even a competition for the number two spot, that veteran C.J. Beathard was going to be the number two. And I thought that was a little insane. It just showed the mentality that coaches love their veterans. They want their backups to be veterans. And it also, along with the preseason, shows me that the higher draft picks will always get preferential treatment, even if they're terrible. You could play your socks off as a seventh round draft pick, and you're not going to unseat the first round pick with the guaranteed money. That's the one thing that I've always found a little off-putting is they say that it's performance-based, but some of it really isn't. And there's a lot of players in the CFL that are good enough to be in the NFL. It's just that they're not bonus babies. The politics still plays a role. That's the one thing I don't really like about the preseason. You mentioned that, and I think about, I think a perfect example might be Trey Lance. 
and that sort of debacle or however you want to call it with the 49ers. I mean, he was such a high draft pick and just what has happened to his career. And maybe there's still time for him to become what he was predicted to become. But I think about somebody like that. And then I think about Nathan Rourke and what he has shown. And like you said, it's just this mentality that what coaches have set in stone or what scouts have seen is what is going to play out no matter how well somebody plays. Just speaking of Nathan Rourke, and I know his brother, Curtis Rourke, I believe, is making a few waves down in the University of Ohio. He's got the starter position and seems like he's twin of him in terms of visibility, but even more physical. I believe he's easily over six feet tall, six three or something like that. And he's sounding like he's having quite the career there. Do you think he might have an opportunity as well in the NFL? Or do you think he's CFL bound as well? Having a brother that now has a bit of an NFL name might help in terms of him getting drafted. If he gets drafted, he has a chance. If he's undrafted, it's really tough. Situation matters a lot too. You look at Brock Purdy in San Francisco, he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick in the draft. And you mentioned Trey Lance. He was the first round bonus baby who lost his job to Brock Purdy, which just goes to show there's not a lot of difference in the talent and there's more talented players than ever. It just really is situational. It's a crapshoot. The Niners, actually, I thought it was impressive that they showed enough initiative to cut Lance loose. You have to be a pretty secure general manager to cut your losses with a high pick like that. Yeah, which is a great segue into what I was going to ask you next in terms of coaches that might be on the hot seat this coming season. Anybody down in San Francisco, do you think they're pretty secure? And do you have any other coaches that you've seen on your radar that this might be their last coaching season? It's really tough to tell this early. I, I wouldn't like to necessarily put anyone on the hot seat before the season starts because everyone has such optimism now. You're probably right. If San Francisco struggles out of the gate, then maybe that's a shot where someone might be had. I think Sean McVay in Los Angeles, it may not necessarily be a hot seat as he's been a Super Bowl champ, but I don't think he'll want to stomach the losing that they're going to go through this year. So this may be his last year. That would be about the biggest name that, that I could see right now. This might not be a coach on the hot seat, but one that I'm actually very curious to keep an eye on this season is Robert Sala in New York with the Jets and kind of what he's going to do with Aaron Rodgers this year. Maybe I'm just more curious about the offseason drama between him and Rodgers. I don't know how that's going to play out, but that's one coach that I'm really going to keep my eye on. What do you think is going to happen there? They're both strong-headed people, and you think it'll be a really good situation or a really bad situation for the two of them? Personally, I'd like to see them fall on their face being in the division with my team. And Aaron Rodgers is a little more likable this offseason, you might say. But historically, he hasn't necessarily been the most well-liked guy. I do think they have a strong defense, so that will keep Salah around as that's his strength. But it will be interesting. I, they're really putting a lot of eggs in the basket of a really old quarterback. And I know that with nutrition, it's a little easier for players to be like Tom Brady, who can play until he's 79. I don't know. They're the one team that I really can't get a read on. If Rodgers is what he has been historically and Dalvin Cook can come in the backfield with Brees Hall, they've got Garrett Wilson at receiver. They could be very good if 
anything happens to Rodgers and they're back to Zach Wilson, they could be very bad. And that would be my preference. Can I say on the record that nothing would bring me more joy than to see Aaron Rodgers absolutely fail in New York, especially given the New York fans. But anyways, that might be more of an off the record comment. Just speaking of quarterbacks, one that is, I know, a hot topic of ours that we like to discuss is Russell Wilson. Now with the Broncos, which is still a weird sentence for me to say, but after a year, I should be used to it. With Sean Payton, now his coach in Denver, is this going to be a turnaround season for him? I know some people are saying this could be a record year, given some of the receiver targets that he has there with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Do you think this might be a better year for him? I don't think it could be worse than last year. <laughs> That's another situation that I find fascinating. I'm not sure he's going to bounce all the way back because he's not really the type of quarterback that Sean Payton necessarily likes. I mean, if you can do something with Taysom Hill, you can certainly do something with Russell Wilson, the Drew Brees type of quarterback, the patient, accurate, take what's there kind of quarterback really suits Sean Payton a little more. I, I still think Russell loves to play hero ball. Yeah. And I think in Seattle, he always had the defense to keep him around and keep him around and keep him around as they had three and out after three and out after three and out. And then he would make those fantastic big plays or those great comebacks. He does have some weapons. Jerry Judy's looks like he's a little banged up right now. I think he'll bounce back slightly. That's another team that I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were really good. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if he just continued to downslide. So certainly worth watching. Definitely. And speaking of teams to keep an eye on with it being opening weekend this coming Thursday, are there any games in particular that you're looking forward to as the weekend officially kicks off? The only game that I really care about is my Miami Dolphins, <laughs> the Chargers. Other than that, I'll just watch anything. How about yeah. you? Likewise, I will watch anything as long as there's a football on the ground. I'm excited to see the Rams versus Seahawks and Curious to see Gino now step onto the field as a starter for his second year. And if he can hold up his dominance that he had last year, if that was just a one-time thing, that's the storyline that I'm thinking about. What is your predictions for the Dolphins this year? How are they looking? The Dolphins are another team like so many teams that are completely dependent on the health of their quarterback. Yeah. If Tua Tonga-Vailoa has another head injury, who knows, that could be the end of his career. Yeah. They also have one of the toughest schedules in the league this year. So I know a lot of people are really high on the Dolphins, but I always tend to temper that with a look at the schedule strength. So I would hope for 10 wins, 10 and seven, anywhere from nine and eight to 12 and five wouldn't surprise me there. You know, it's funny. That's exactly what I had written down in my notes was Miami is 10 and seven. If Tua stays healthy, I think that's probably a really fair assessment. I was looking at the Seahawks a little bit, and I think it's the same thing. If they can keep their defense strong, if Geno plays as well or better than last year, and I think with the addition of Bobby Wagner, not necessarily on the field, because I think physically he's getting up there, but in the locker room as a leader, if they could keep him strong and he does what he does best. I could see them going 10-7 and 7 or even 11-6 and 6 this year. I think they are definitely playoff-bound if everything works out well, that's obviously the key to any team. But I, I see them doing a little bit better than last year. It sounds odd in that I'm a little more bullish on the Seahawks playoff chances than I am Miami's. The AFT is a beast. It is. I would say maybe eight of the top 12 teams in the league are in the AFC. The Seahawks get to pound on the Cardinals and Rams 
what should be four guaranteed wins. Yeah. You split against the 49ers, you've got a, a pretty good chance at the division. And I think Geno Smith has a better chance of maintaining what he did last year than Russell Wilson does of getting back to the levels where he has been at. The Seahawks defense is looking pretty good. If Jamal Adams can come back all the way healthy, that will be the thing. But I expect big things from the Seahawks this year. Would you put money on Jamal Adams playing a full season this year? Given that he's probably not going to play game one, I would put all my money on the fact that he's not going to play a full season. No, if they can get 12 good games out of him, I think that's, at this point, it's almost a bonus. And they did draft pretty well this year. So I'm curious to see how some of those draft picks play out this year. Some of them looked pretty good in some of the preseason games. But again, like you said, preseason games take it with a grain of salt. We go back to the preseason there. My guy that I'm looking at the Seahawks is Jake Bobo. Who That's one of the things we talk about where actual performance actually yeah. mattered this time. And he was undrafted. Again, he was undrafted. I remember watching him with UCLA, I think yeah. it was. One of those late night Pac-12 games that are going away soon. He was just fantastic. He was slow as molasses, but he was always open. Yeah. And really good hands from what I saw in the couple of touchdowns that he had in the preseason. So, yeah, I like those dark horses. And Pete Carroll, I know, likes his undrafted free agents sometimes too. So you can sometimes find those gems in the dirt. But it'll be really good to see if he can get some playing time this year and pair that up with Lockett and Metcalf. Be a pretty dangerous offense there. Hopefully, Geno Smith will be able to maintain what he has so far. And that's definitely one that I'm going to keep my eye on on the topic of quarterbacks. And this is deviating a little bit from the season coming up. But have you had a chance to watch at all the Netflix documentary series called Quarterbacks, oddly enough, featuring some of the three top quarterbacks in the NFL last year? I have not. I've got it scheduled, but I just Mm -hmm. haven't quite found the time. Have you watched it? I made it through about half of the episodes, and it's interesting. They give you definitely a little bit more insight Mm -hmm. on Mahomes. Really nothing too surprising there and Kirk Cousins, but the one that really piqued my interest was they did a little bit of a deep dive into the background of Marcus Mariota. He was drafted fairly high, high expectations, and it He's portrayed as, oddly enough, the guy you want to root for, just given when you learn a little bit more about the off-field things that are going on in his life. So it gets you a little bit more insight. And he was the one that I found most fascinating out of all three. So I think it's worth watching. I'm not sure if it's anything a fan didn't know before, but it gives you a little bit more insight, a little bit more maybe appreciation for the day-to-day grind that all of the quarterbacks go through because it really takes you into detail about that. So I think if you're a fan, definitely worth a watch. I will definitely check it out. So speaking of predictions, it's obviously fantasy football time this time of year. Did you do your draft? Have you drafted? What was that like for you this year? I have had my main draft, the one that's for money. I've done all my online ones. There's 25 online teams that I've had. So I've got a wide variety of picks and teams. So I'll be following all kinds of players. Excellent. Was there one player that you didn't expect to get or one that was like a bit of a dark horse that you're really keeping an eye on? The one thing that I always do and all the experts say to go against it and go against it and go against it is I'm never afraid to take a quarterback too high. I always take Patrick Mahomes. If he's available there and I'm in like round two, I'll take him. Because if you look historically through the games, 
they're the ones that have the highest per game outputs. Occasionally a running back or a wide receiver will explode, but there's so many running back injuries. You can always pick up what they call a handcuff. Exactly. Running back later in the draft or anything like that. If you have the drop and draft. So that would be my one thing. I don't think there was any real big surprises other than that I took Patrick Mahomes as often as I could. And the other thing that I do is I hoard quarterbacks. People always need them. Oh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for my quarterback. So I'll look and I'll see the other guy might be into round four or five and he hasn't taken a quarterback. Cause I don't need a quarterback, but I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence just yeah. so you don't. That's the one thing I like to do is I like to hoard the QBs. It's a very good strategy. I think that was my fatal mistake this year. I got really excited because I got Josh Allen and Joe Burrow as my two main ones. And then by the time I was looking for some backup quarterbacks, they were mostly gone. And I, so it is my one regret. I wish I would have taken another better quarterback early on. So my benched quarterback right now is Bryce Young. So I don't know how I feel about that right now, but hopefully everything will go okay. But Yahoo gave me a B plus overall on my draft, but who knows what that means, right? It's just, it hasn't even started yet. And more than anything, there's a lot of luck involved with these drafts. 100%. As long as you're maintaining your team every week, you've got a reasonable shot. It's fun through the season. The only thing I don't like is when your team is playing against a team that has, say, two or three of your favorite fantasy players. And then it's a struggle. It's give up a late touchdown. You need that kind of thing. The only thing that I refuse to do is I will never, ever pick a New York Jet. That's a fair rule. It's just like in hockey pools. It it wouldn't matter if David Pasternak was available in round 10. I will never pick a Boston Brew. Just (laughs) because I do not want any enjoyment whatsoever coming from the Jets or the Bruins. And I'm very loath to take Patriots. This year, I don't think they're going to be any good, so it doesn't really trouble me. I feel the same way because I know my very first matchup coming up this weekend, I've got Josh Allen right against Geno Smith. So as much as I want to cheer for Geno, I feel very conflicted. So we'll see how that plays out. Switching gears here as we wrap up, I know that's looking at the league, which we started off this podcast talking about, with this, which is the CFL, but there's definitely playoffs on the horizon. It's almost that time of year. Did you watch any of the Labor Day games this weekend? Little snippets. If the Lions aren't in there, I just tend to have it on in the background. Right. More or less. I'll watch the Argos if I think Andrew Harris is going to get more than a couple of carries, which he's almost more of a backup now. The Battle of Alberta is always fun. But again, I just had it more in the background. I watch the Lions and then when it comes closer to the playoffs, that's when I get really interested in the CFL. For sure. I know one of the interesting things that was going around on social media this weekend, and I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but it was the hit on Winnipeg quarterback, Zach Claris. It was Pete Robertson, I believe, for Saskatchewan, really just gave him a head knock after the play. And he, I think for all intents and purposes, should have been ejected from the game. It was such an awful late hit. And then Claris from the spotter was pulled for three plays for a concussion protocol. So many people on social were saying this is a perfect example of how the league and why the CFL is considered a second tier league, especially against the NFL, because if this was the NFL, the player would have been ejected and suspended immediately on the field at the time. The refs didn't even call the penalty. It got called in from the command center in Toronto, and then it took a full day for a one day suspension for that player. Do you think they did the right thing? Do you think it should have been more severe or... Do you think that's just the nature of the CFL? 
I think they did the right thing after the fact by suspending him for one game, but you have to protect your quarterbacks. You have to. I think if he had done that to an offensive lineman, it might have just been 15 yards and a flag and that's it. And maybe that's what they were thinking. But you have to protect your quarterbacks, especially have to protect the heads of the quarterbacks. Caleros has a history of injury. It's just a cheap shot. It's just stupid. He should have been ejected 100%. I wouldn't have been opposed to even a couple of games to, yes. to send a message. Sometimes it's hard on the field for the refs to see what's going on. If you're going face mask to face mask, maybe they don't see it 100%. I'm not absolving them of anything here because it should have been an ejection. But when you do, you're right. When you do have a command center, that has to be followed up a little more. And you ha again, you have to protect your quarterbacks. For sure. And we'll wrap up. I know we didn't really do Super Bowl predictions because this is a little bit closer to the end. Grey Cup predictions. What do you see this year? I like BC versus Toronto. That was originally going to be my pick. And I just had to go with my gut. And I'm going to say it's going to be a repeat and go with Winnipeg versus Toronto. But I would not be surprised. I wasn't surprised that you got your bombers in yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. Real quick, do you have a quick Super Bowl prediction? I was thinking about it a little bit. And I'm going to say Kansas City and the Eagles. How about you? That would be my pick. But because you picked it, I'm now going to shock the world and say Miami Philly. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Let's revisit those picks. Maybe when we get a couple of games under our belt, let's do a recap and an overview of the season once it gets underway. Now that we have a few more games under our belt, we'll take a better look at some of the standings, some of the teams, and maybe revise our picks from there. So thanks so much, Philip. Always a pleasure chatting NFL with you. Always fun, Aaron. Thanks. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halluschuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Why spend hours searching dealerships, comparing makes and models? Find the best of BC's inventory in one place, todaysdrive.com. You'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. Get in the driver's seat. Don't miss out on the many options we have available for you. Powered by Black Press Media, todaysdrive.com connects you with exclusive new and used car deals.